What if pain was a guide to make us look inside and equip us with resilience? What tools would we need to master? Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are. You are listening to My Guru with Anna Maria Bosky. This week, I spoke with Donna Moore, an Ayurvedic physician, certified health educator, and the author of an extremely practical and easy holistic health book called Shine Brighter Every Day. And she's also a really dear friend of mine. Donna is truly an inspiration. Her life story proves that you can get past any weakness. At 14, she lost a big portion of her eyesight, but she hasn't let what one might perceive as a weakness hold her back from living life to the fullest. Life became more challenging. It continues to be more challenging in certain ways, but it hasn't stopped me from doing anything that I like to do or stop, it has never stopped me from kind of pursuing the dreams and the goals that I have. We spoke about the power of perception how to influence someone unknowingly unhealthy towards changing their behavior for the better, and three things that you can do right now to implement a more holistic, healthy lifestyle. That and so much more. Uh, Donna's passion for creating a life free from chronic disease is so contagious. And as you'll notice, I barely get a word in edgewise because I was just in awe of all the wisdom that came out of her. Uh, I really, really hope that you enjoy this. Well, I'm sh- actually, I'm sure you're going to enjoy this as much as I did. Uh, and I really hope you enjoy this podcast. Let's get right to it. Uh, thanks for joining us, Donna. <laughs> having me. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here. So my first comes out of like my own particular interest in your early childhood. A question around what experiences have helped you become the resilient adult that you've become? Um, I think when you have a disability, uh, you have you have like two choices. You can kind of use it to push yourself down and become a victim and feel like the life is unfair because you can't see as well as other people or you can't walk as fast or whatever it is that disability affects you with and um or you can choose a different path you can choose a path where you are not going to take a limitation as a dead end or you're not going to put yourself in a situation where you're least less capable because you have everything else you know i have everything else is working well and so I think you have to make a choice. And I think at some point when I was a teenager, I made a choice. I had a moment where my mom took me outside and she pointed at all these different things. She was like, what's that? Donna, what's that? And I was like, it's a tree. And she's like, what's that? It's the grass. What's that? It's the mountain. What's that? Um, And I answered, you know, it's the sky. It's it's a bird. And and she looked at me and she's like, Donna, you see everything that you need to see. Everything else is not important. I think that at some point you have to make a decision yourself. I think all of us have some form of difficulty or challenge in our life. Some are more obvious and some are more visual than others. Like people can't see that I don't see well. So it's difficult because people don't think that I have a disability. I've been accused of lying, for example. And then there's other things, you know, like people have a lot of negative thoughts that you can't see as well. So I think all of us as a, 
as an internet, like as a global, as human beings, we need to have the, the courage in our side of ourselves not to see any kind of weakness as, as a disability or as a, as a weakness and try and find out what, how we can make it our strength, how, we can, how that makes us unique. And there was a point in my life where I started to present my issue as, a, as something special, as something different, as a unique thing. It makes me different. It makes my vision. I have a different perspective on the world. And I think, yeah, I think it really is about how you perceive things. Like I couldn't change my problem, but I could change the way I saw it, the way I perceived it. And I decided to not like, not make it an issue. I made it my strength. I made my weakness, my big, I, I took it and, and I wrote it. I wrote it like, you know, uh, a unicorn or whatever, like made it something strong, made it something special for me and made myself vulnerable made not be afraid to be vulnerable and say like oh you know i can't like if you go on a date or if you meet someone and you can't see them from far away like to just put yourself and out there in a sense in a way that we're not used to we're, we're used to walking around with a lot of armor and protection and i guess at some point it was like well this is me this is this will filter out whoever that doesn't want to deal with it so those kind of things i guess built a part of the resilience of like knowing something's hard, knowing that something's gonna take a lot of time, knowing that it's quite almost impossible to do something, looking at it in the eye and say, but I'm gonna do it anyway, and I'm gonna be calm, and I'm gonna take the steps that need to be taken, and it's not gonna be as fast as other people would do this, but I'm gonna do it anyway, and I'm gonna get there. And taking it like slow, and kind of having patience with yourself, because we all have our own rhythm. And if we compare ourselves to each other, to others, we are always going to have something that we're not good enough or good as other people. And if we focus on what we do have, then it kind of gives you, it honor, you're honoring yourself, you're honoring who you already are and everything you've worked for in your own life. Even if it's not just being alive and being who you are is already enough. Like you don't have to do anything else. You don't have to win an Oscar or write a book or do all these things that society expects. You just have to be respectful to yourself and to others. That is like one of the most honorable things to do in life. And I think that's something that, like we, I wrote an article just the other day for a magazine and I was talking about how one of the main issues we have is not our relationship with food. It's how we don't have a relationship that's strong with ourselves. We're like the only animals in the kingdom of animals that kind of consumes products, consumes things that are harmful to our health, knowingly. So like a lion might be starving, super hungry, but he will not eat a corpse that's been sitting there for three days. He won't. He will continue to try to hunt a fresh animal. And only, only we do things that we know, like this is so bad for me, but I'm gonna do it anyway because it gives me a kick. And that's kind of like weird, you know? So. Where is, the, where is the bond that we have to caring deeply for ourselves that motivates us to want to do the things that are good? And I don't like to use the word good and bad, but sometimes it helps when we're talking in quick moments like this. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be interested in, in you diving more deeply in, into that, like the, um, the motivation to take care of the self and where that comes from and how to shift into that. So um, I was having this conversation just yesterday about 
what is my target market, right? And one of the things I thought was so interesting is there's like, there's this, I can't remember his name, but this copy expert that talks about five conscious, like levels of consciousness. And one of them, my favorite tart, like my, my avatar, the people I love inspiring and talking to are people that don't know that they need to care for themselves more. It's the people that don't know that they don't know. And it's like, how do you get someone that doesn't know that they need to care better for themselves to start realizing that they need to care better for themselves? And I start, my, my introduction starts like that in my book that says, how do you explain someone that's driving a car that is like 100 years old, that smells like petrol, the, it smells bad in the car, it breaks down every 100 kilometers or every 50 kilometers, it doesn't have the window wipers working. So when it rains, you have to stick your head out of the window to actually like see the road. How do you explain someone that's driving that car that they could be driving a car that's much more comfortable, but for no extra cost? And most of the people that you would talk to them about that, what they would say to you is, I don't know, I'm happy. My car takes me from A to B. Like, I'm good. Like, leave me alone. My car is fine. It takes me from here to Lisbon or from here to there, you know? How do you explain to that person? Most of them would be defensive. They'd be like, but my, my, my car is fine. What are you talking about? My car is great. Like, it takes me everywhere. Yeah, it breaks down sometimes. Tires don't work. I got to stick my head out. But it's good. It's all good. You know, like, they're, it's almost like we've become so accustomed. And I'm using the, the, the car to describe our body. So, like, the ride could be so much better. Like, life is a long journey. And you could be doing these, these journeys in a car that has, like, heated, seated, heated seats air conditioning when it rains like the windows close and you can like you have like the window wipers and it's quiet you can put music on even put on some heating and you're like wow this is such a nice like wow it's like first class like this feels so amazing life you could feel like that every day you could feel like you're in a first class jumbo jet or whatever every day you don't have we don't have to live with so much the scariest thing is that so many of us have become accustomed to discomfort. So most of the people walking around don't know that they have an, like a chronic discomfort. They think it's normal to go to the toilet once a week. You're like, no, it's not <laughs> like, you should be going to the toilet every day. So it's this part where you wanna get people excited or interested. I think it's, it comes from a lack of why, why do we not know about ourselves? Why isn't health common? And I think that this comes from a growing, like a very insidious, like very slow um, disconnection from man and nature, right? Um, thankfully, we have parts of the world where people still live in the countryside and young kids that I've met today, you know, will say, yeah, like at this time of the year, we only had this vegetable. It's like, wow, you actually still grew up, you still grew up in the time where fruits and vegetables were seasonal. You know, nowadays we have everything at any moment of the time, at, at any moment of the year. So I think when the industrial eras started to grow, so the industry of food, the industry of everything, and this consumer's world, the pace of life has gotten faster and it's i'm not going to go into that too much because i'll get into like conspiracies and things that will open a whole new topic of conversation but 
when life goes faster, you don't have time to connect with yourself. Like it's not a priority to just look ourselves in the mirror or sit for a moment and be like, do I want to eat this? Is it, am I hungry? Do I like him? Do I like her? Why am I friends with these people? Do they reflect who I am? We don't ask ourselves enough questions. And I think because like mom had to leave home to work. So now women are expected to work. Men are expected, like everyone has to work. Children started to lose education with their, with like humans. Like we are educated through very robotic systems. At school, we don't learn anything about our body. We don't learn anything about nature. Only new age schools teach gardening and they still don't teach much about the body. So I like asking people, do you know where your liver is? And it's quite an interesting question because I think most of people don't know where their liver is, which is one of the most important organs of the body. And most people think their heart is on the left side and it's not, it's in the middle, slightly to the left, but it's in the middle. So this is just to show like, we don't know anything about our own body. If people, if we were given a bag of seats today, we would not know what to do with them. People would be like, well, when do I plant them? But how do I do this? And although all this, all of this should be super simple and it should be common sense, it used to be common sense. That common sense was passed on from generation to generation. It was passed on from our grandparents to the children, to the grandchildren, or from the grandparents to the parents and the parents to the children. And that connection has stopped. Like we don't live with our grandparents anymore. Everyone lives separately. People live in their own homes, separated. We don't get educated by our parents or our grandparents much anymore. I'm not gonna say it all because that is a generalization. But I think we've, lo we've lost a bit of connection with nature and we are nature. We are part of nature. So this disconnection, I mean, there are cities in the world that kids have never seen big fields of grass. And there are thousands and hundreds of urban people our age, like, I'm not, you know, not children, but already adults that have never seen a tomato grow in the ground and doesn't know what it looks like, doesn't know what a lettuce looks like when they grow on the ground, doesn't know what an avocado tree looks like. And if we were put into nature, we wouldn't know how to find that, like fruits and vegetables. We wouldn't know how to deal with that. And I'm not saying that we should do that. I'm not saying that we should all now leave the city and move into the countryside. But we could live in the city and have a little bit of a closer relationship with nature, understand it a bit better. And that means that also understanding ourselves. And why do I talk about the liver? Because the liver is such an amazing organ. It has such incredible, it's like, that person in the company that does everything if that person would leave the company the company would crash the liver is like our multitasker it is the most amazing organ in our body i love it i have a whole little part dedicated to it and i just i love it because it's such a hard worker and it does so much and we don't even realize and when we feel nauseous it's our liver complaining when we feel moody and angry it's our liver complaining and our liver talks to us a lot and we need to learn to understand the language of our body so that we can understand what our body is telling us because no one can tell us what's going on inside, only us. And that takes me to my chapter one, which I don't know, I'm not presenting my book here, but my first chapter of my book is called Listen to Your Body. It's trying to tell you something nobody else can. And so yeah, I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any like tips and tricks on how to listen to your body of course yeah there's i have in my in my book i have a whole the, the chapter one has a whole 
section that's just about understanding what kind of what are signs and symptoms of the body and how to understand um, how to understand what is a mild sign and symptom and when it's more severe and what we need to do when when we start to get a mild sign because a mild sign is not like oh I have a headache take an Advil or take a painkiller it's oh I have a headache why do I have a headache what happened it's not normal to have a headache and to start to understand and ask yourself questions about it so I have like a whole kind of process I have like a little chart with colors and shows you like mild is yellow and and more severe becomes orange to red and how not to ever get because basically when you have um, constant mild signs and symptoms that go unheard like ignored your body is basically on its way to a chronic to a disease to manifesting a disease and if you at this age we're all like yeah I'm fine no I'm diseased but we have signs of chronic like we're getting signs and symptoms so if we don't listen to them we are on our way to ignoring the language of our body and on a way to manifesting a disease and that is like, that's my mission of all that I work for, this, my more life or inspiring a generation that is free from chronic disease, free from chronic discomfort. And first, before anything, is having people understand what is normal. It's not normal to have headache. It's not normal to have pain. It's not normal to be bloated. It's not normal to feel like tired after you've eaten. You should feel normally energetic after you've eaten it's not normal to feel heavy uh, you should and it's normal to go to the toilet at least once a day if not twice a day or as many times as you eat so that would be ideal like we should be going to the toilet one to two times a day can you give an example of one of those symptoms and like take us through the path like let's say the headaches for example well i'll, I'll give you i'll give you a better one so for example, someone that has stomach aches, yeah, constant has always has stomach aches and doesn't do anything about it and has starts to have like get normal. In the beginning, they notice they have a stomach ache, but if they ignore it, they start to think it's, they start to not feel the pain anymore. It's just normal for them, for their stomach to be super bloated and to hurt, but it's normal and they eat and they kind of just, or they have acid reflux all the time and they don't do anything about it they take antiacids they continue eating they don't do any questioning on what might be causing that problem and just while while we're talking about this it doesn't have to be food food is not everything food has a great influence on your body but a lot of the problems that we have are not because of a specific food it can be very much based on emotions on other life situations so that's super interesting to understand as well so let's say stomach ache can either be causing acid reflux or it can be causing worse stuff in the intestines. So someone that has like irritable bowel syndrome, but not even to that extent, but just constantly has bad digestion, has a lot of pain. So from both of those situations, you can cause esophageal cancer. So cancer created by the, in the esophagus, which is the top part. I don't know if you guys can see me, but in this top part of what near the stomach. So it's constantly being... Um, burned kind of down by the acid in the tummy. In the tummy, we have a special lining that protects it from the acid inside of it that is used to digest food. And if that acid goes into the into your throat, it's it's really sour and it 
starts to burn at some point. So that can cause cancer, that can cause a lot of other things, a lot of complications for swallowing and a lot of discomfort. And on the other side, in your intestines, there are so many people with so many intestinal diseases. And not like not to mention bowel cancer, but Crohn's disease, irritable bowel. So many really, really horrible conditions. And our intestines are so important. They are second brain. They are where 80% of our immune system lives. And they're so important for our well-being. So if you eat crap and you feel like crap, it's most likely because you are filled with crap. And so you're going to feel like crap because your brain inside of your second brain is your intestines. And so it's so important to keep all of our body like to support. If you think about it, it's like everyone knows about the car. The car is like such an easy example to use an analogy. We all know, or do you know what happens if you put the wrong gas in your car, <laughs> your car diesel and you put in gasoline, what happens? The car stops. Like first, if you're doing it and you realize it, you're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. It never happened to me, disclaimer. But like, can you imagine? You're like, oh my God, how do I get that out? Like I need like a vacuum to pump that out. Like I'm destroying my car. Everyone realizes that with a car. People, you know, they put oil, they take the car to the garage every once in a while, make sure it's before it has a problem, they take the car to the garage. Why do we not know how to take, our, take care of ourselves before we have a problem? You know, most people only kind of wake up when they have a disease or there's something that bad that has happened in their life or someone they've lost someone close and we know no we we don't we're like just happy abusing until something happens but with our cars we're super people spend there are some amazing statistics people spend more time on shopping for clothes and shoes than they do on what kind of food they're going to buy and where they're going to buy it People spend more time, like on shoes, which is just like something super, super like, you know, simple. I mean, people spend thousands more time on buying a car than they do on the kind of food they eat. And it's funny because the same thing is like with, you know, people are cheap on mattresses, but you spend half of your life sleeping on the mattress. And shoes are important too because you spend time walking on them. But people spend more time on consuming like clothes and basic things, even shampoo than on what kind of food they're going to buy and where, what's the origin of their food. So those are kind of interesting things. Like where's the, where is it that we're not allowed? I mean, obviously society supports this mechanism. So we can't expect to be encouraged by the consumer's economy because there is a whole reason that this functions this way. I mean, you get ill, you feel unhappy, you're going to buy more clothes and more perfumes and more makeup. If you feel happy with yourself, you're like, I don't need any of that. I'm good. You know, so there's a reason for the, the society to function this way. There's a reason that we never have time for anything. There's a reason that you are pressured to work all the time and feel like you have nothing in your life so that you go out and buy clothes, buy stuff. So maybe you get, you know, instantaneous satisfaction and if life was slower we wouldn't need that much stuff because we wouldn't be going out all the time <laughs> we wouldn't need that many clothes we wouldn't need that much stuff i think this quarantine has been amazing in that way like to realize like wow i have all these clothes that i can't wear because i'm not doing anything and mm -hmm. like oh like you know you, you're not no one's spending money because there's nothing to like you know you can't leave the house and 
obviously it's bad for economy, but in a sense, like we should question, you know, fashion is one of the most polluting industries in the world. Ask ourselves, like, how often do we have to buy clothes? Like, do we need to buy that many jumpers or that many things and whatever? So this is a whole other conversation, but, but it connects to what is the relationship that we have with ourselves and how does that affect the interest and the priority that we make when we want to take care of ourselves. And making yourself a priority is not like, okay, now I need three hours a day to take care of myself. Self-care or caring for yourself doesn't mean putting a mask on and taking care and, and washing your hair and doing your nails. Uh, Self-care starts with you just liking yourself. And when you like yourself, you think twice about what you're going to put in. When you like yourself and you're hungry, I mean, I can give you my own examples. So I used to have a very toxic relationship with sugar. And I love, I love being hungry. I hate being full. I love eating. And I love having an ice cream, for example. It's like one of my most favorite moments. It just makes me happy. I don't know why. And through the process of learning to, to kind of detach from the need of sugar, which is a long process, and I can talk about that another time, um, I've come to the point where I might want something sweet, and then I look at it, and then you think about it, and then you remember how you feel after you eat it. And you're like, oh, I'm going to get really nauseous after that. Oh, you know, it's okay. I don't need it. Mm. You come to a point where you're like, no, the way I feel is more important than that instantaneous moment. And it is a drug, so I guess like all, we're all drug users in some way of using things to make ourselves instantly feel good. And when you start caring about yourself, the question is like, okay, well, I do want something sweet, but maybe it can be like a raisin or it's like a piece of apple. And then you're like, oh, it's not the same as that chocolate or whatever. And then, but it's like a slow process of starting to understand what actually means, what is good for you? Like what means pleasure for you? And is the stomach ache? Are you going to pay attention to the stomach ache? And oh yeah, that's not going to be worth it. Yeah, like I'm not going to do that. That's not worth it. And so I have a lot of clients that are in this process where like they realize how allergic they are to gluten, for example, to bread, but they still love eating it. So they're still in the middle of this process where like they'll be like, I don't eat bread. Oh, but it's Friday and I'm going to have a good time. And then, then like they have so much allergies and they spend the whole weekend feeling sick and having diarrhea and vomiting. And it's like, how, where's that click? Like, didn't you remember that before you were going to eat it? So it's a process. It's, it takes like, so a lot of people are at the point where, okay, I know that it's toxic for me, but I'm going to do it anyway. And then we have the next part where when, before you're going to do it, you remember what it does to you. And you're like, oh, I can find bread that I'm going to like that doesn't have that toxic aspect. Or, you know, like I have cookies that are almond, made of almonds and that are, you know, like completely friendly for my body. And at first I was like, ew, these are gross. I much prefer real chocolate chip cookies. And then <laughs> you have to work on yourself. You're like, but this is yummy for my tummy, you know? Like, this is good for you, Donna. Like, love yourself. And where is, and I also think that in this society that we live in, we also have this, there's a, a kind of like, you're not allowed to care for yourself. Like, there's, it's like you're considered selfish or self-centered and that's also so that's why 
starting to care for yourself doesn't mean going to do your nails and making putting on a mask and washing your hair or putting that is a level of self-care but it depends on your prayer like on your but the best way to start self-caring is actually to look in the mirror and like yourself um, make a choice that's good for inside not about the outside start from the inside out because those are the real like listening to your body feeling like i really don't feel like going to do this right now i'm not talking about procrastination but it's like you know, like going out at night to go drinking. And then you're like, I really don't feel like drinking tonight. And then being afraid of like what people are going to say. And well, you know, I dealt with this as well. So I used to tell people that I was on antibiotics. They'd be like, oh, okay, no problem. You're not drinking tonight? No, I'm taking antibiotics. I'm on medication. I was ill. They're like, oh, okay. Because people judge you if you take care of yourself. Like, no, I'm just drinking water what? You're so boring. Oh my God. Why, why don't you want to drink? And doesn't mean I never drink, but it's like, it's when I feel like it, it's not because society is expecting that of me. It's not because you think I should drink now that I'm going to do that. So there's a very kind of, there's that difficult part as well that who says we can take care of ourselves. And if your friends around you don't agree with you, like, you know, I have clients that are like, I'm vegetarian and all my friends are driving me mad. I'm like, don't tell them. We need to know how to deal with things that best fits us in the beginning. And when we're strong enough to stand for ourselves before others, that's when we should do it. It's not about what we think we need to do. It's about what we need to do for ourselves. And in a kind way, it's not about being spiteful. It's not about being mean. Just being kind, kind to yourself. Yeah, I really hear you on the sugar. I, I definitely like... I definitely have a lot of challenges with sugar. I even during the coronavirus, I uh, like just didn't buy any like chocolate or anything in the house. And then one day I was just, I just craved it so much. And I walked to the gas station 40 minutes away, 40 minutes there, 40 minutes back just for one. No, actually it was two, it was two Twix bars, which I told myself, okay, I'll have one now and I'll save the other one for tomorrow. And I ate both on the way, on the way home. And then after, and then after doing that, I felt, I felt like my stomach was like, Argh! and then my skin like flared up the next day. And I'm like, fuck, why did I do that? Because it's really soothing. There's like a relationship I have with sugar, which is really soothing. It's like, but, but it's, it's, it's quite some training to, to look at your cravings and to speak to your cravings and to share with yourself, okay, this is not going to be good for me. Okay, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to eat a strawberry or an apple instead. It takes quite some, some mental power and some training. I think it, a lot of it, what it, I think what, what I do with my approach is like to create a celebration. So it's like, okay, so I like for me, I love ice cream and I love having cookies with tea. Okay, those are like my sugar things that I love. But I haven't stopped having my ice cream and my cookies with tea. So it's about changing what you're having so it's like okay i'm gonna have my cookie and tea now and it's like an almond cookie that has like with lemon and walnuts which is like you know five years ago i'd be like oh my god that's so boring gross like i don't even want to look at that um but it's like now it's like oh you make like a ritual out of it or you make your green juice and you have it like as if it's a cocktail in your cocktail glass and you're like now i'm gonna have my cocktail and it tastes like a bloody mary and it's fantastic fabulous or you have your, if it's alcohol, you have your 
virgin Bloody Mary and you feel like you're having your Bloody Mary and you put on some music and you, you still do the same thing because it's about what we're craving is the experience. Our body knows what's good for it and what's not good for it. So your body does not want the Twix bar. Your mind wants an experience that it knows and that it makes, it feels comfortable in. You give that experience to your mind. So for example, in the beginning, I would be like, okay, I'm gonna go buy the Twix bar. Go buy the Twix bar, I'm gonna buy three bars. And I'm not eating them all today. And I'm only gonna eat one thing, actually. I'm, I'm gonna make it that I'm only, I'm gonna open one and I'm only gonna eat one out of the two bars. That is the condition if you go to buy Twix now. Okay, 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 I'll do it, I'll do it. Okay, and I'm walking home and I really wanna open it. Okay, I open it a little bit and I have a little bite because like, I wanted that moment when I'm walking home. But the rest I'm gonna have like with a tea when I get home and make a ritual out of it. Like, okay, 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 stay calm. It's gonna be a ritual, it's gonna be a special moment. And you like devour that small, like I used to have one piece of chocolate a day and I'd like have like, I'd break off it for like tiny pieces in my mouth and like, mmm. Yeah, it tastes so good. So it's like, it's really about, it's the experience that we're looking for. Our bodies, our mind, our, our emotions are looking for an experience. No doubt sugar is chemical and it chemically gives you a complete like kick in your head, uh, like cocaine does. Um, not that I've, but it's really about the experience. So again, like if anyone's listening to this, you don't need to stop doing the things you love doing but change the, the subject that you are using and make it less toxic. So if we're talking about chocolate, move to chocolate that is organic or that has less sugar or that has no lactose in it and that it's, and move towards a chocolate that's less toxic for you. If it's ice cream, move towards, so it's, you know, you start off full fat basket and robins or hagen and then you're moving on to, okay, I'm only going to eat ice cream once a month, that type of ice cream. Oh, but another day you're like, I really want ice cream. Okay, so now you can go and get an acai. Okay. And then like, okay, but this month I'm still going to have my milk ice cream. So it's like you have to take yourself on a slow. It's like you're weaning. You have to convince. You're kind of tricking yourself. And then your, 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 your toxic ice creams are once a month. And the other times you're having... A healthier form of an ice cream and then it's banana a frozen banana with melted chocolate syrup on top and uh, you know one one time it's like coconut yogurt with strawberries which is delicious and date syrup on top like that's delicious and that's like that's like ch cheesecake like strawberry cheesecake so it's not about stopping like we're not creating a, a punishment we're not creating punishment and we're not telling ourselves this is bad. It's about caring for yourself. So it's not, oh, that food is bad for me. No, nothing's bad for you. It just makes you, doesn't, it doesn't make you feel so good. It hurts. It causes toxicity. It causes tension. It, it feeds bacteria. It feeds fungus. It feeds viruses. What is it, the thing that we're eating? So we want to be kinder to ourselves. It's about you. It's not about what you're eating about how you feel about yourself and when you can create a better like more care for yourself you have a better strength to think line and be like it's like when you meet someone and the red flags go off 
And the first few times you were like, yeah, I don't care. And then you get hurt enough times and you're like, okay, when I see these red flags, that means no. And it takes practice. It's like, I care about myself enough to know that if I find, if I see a red flag, I'm going to choose something else. And it's about that. It's not about stopping to do what you love. It's not about stopping to eat ice cream. I still eat ice cream. And my junk food ice cream is like coconut ice cream with chocolate inside. And it's absolutely amazing. I still feel like it's the biggest junk food in the world. You know, you, you can, the same for like, let's talk about something salty. So a lot of people that are salty, like salt foods. So it's like from like a big hamburger from like the worst joint in town with, with French fries, you can move to making homemade veggie burgers with caramelized onions and like a, a wrap or gluten-free bread with potato like fries but roasted in the oven and then you still like you can still use ketchup and mayonnaise to give that flavor while you're weaning off and one day you won't want those things because your palate will change yeah i understand i understand um as we're like coming towards the end i just wanted to ask you if you could share like three exercises or recipes or anything else that people can do right now to implement a more holistic healthy lifestyle I think the first thing that, that people can do to start, I always, there's two parts to health and well-being, And the first is to stop toxicating yourself. And the second is to start increasing the quality of nutrition that you have, like the quality of, of everything that you do in life. So it's important not to get stuck in details. That's the first detail. That's the first tip I can give. Don't get stuck in details. Don't be like obsessed with a small thing. Think about the big picture. So it's like, okay, this month, I'm only gonna eat this food twice. But when you eat it, enjoy it. Don't be like, oh my God, I'm eating this food. This is so bad, this is so bad. Enjoy it and then know that you're only gonna have it in two weeks again. And look at the big picture and try to make steps that are long lasting, not don't, for me, I don't work with cold turkey. I hate it when something is taken from me immediately. I feel like I'm being punished. And this is not like vitality is about being kind to yourself, not about punishing yourself. So the first tip is don't get lost in details. And the second tip, so coming back to that, it's not about increasing nutrition straight away. It's about stopping to, to toxify our body. I would suggest that we can like start to notice three foods that are very inflammatory for the body. Try to notice how often you eat them and notice when you eat them, what kind of signs and symptoms your body tells you? Like, how do you feel after you've eaten? Do you feel heavy? Do you feel energetic? Do you feel tired? Do you feel irritated? Do you feel happy? But not 10 seconds after, like an hour, 20 minutes after. So when it started to see, not when your mind is excited because you're eating it, but when your body is reacting and responding to what it's doing physically. So these foods, these the three most inflammatory foods for everyone uh, in different dimensions, is sugar sugar is present in everything almost everything but we're talking about refined sugar so like if you're buying apple juice or orange juice check the ingredients if there's sugar in it if you're buying cookies or chocolate bars or ice cream or anything like ketchup has sugar in it so refined sugar where is it like so trying to keep away from it as much as possible but when you eat it what happens to you 20 minutes later from 20 to half an hour minutes later like what happens after you've eaten it um, the second is wheat. 
and gluten foods. So um, if you're interested to know more, we're going to be doing more talks on this. And I talk about this specifically in my book, um, why wheat and why gluten foods have become so toxic and so irritant in our bodies over the last few years. It has a lot to do with the industry of food and how it's developed and how it has changed food forever. And the third is lactose. So again, some, a food that used to be whole, used to be perfect, used to be the most amazing thing in the world, mother milk from a cow, from whoever, a whole food, a real whole food, also got um, completely kind of adulterated by the food industry. And it causes a lot of irritation on the body. So these are three foods that cause a lot of inflammation. And no one's saying to stop eating them. But the question, like the tip for today is, notice how your body is talking to you after you've eaten these foods. Notice what happens to you inside and how your mood is affected and how your physical body is affected. Do you go to the toilet? Do you not go? Do you feel like, do you feel hot? Do you feel cold? Do you feel irritated? What's happening to you? And if you have any questions, you can always send me a message on my, on Instagram is the best place to send me messages or email me. On my website, you can see the information. But these are like the, this is the beginning of a journey. Health is not tomorrow. It's every day. It's how you feel every day about yourself. And so that's the best tip that I can give you right now. And do you have any reading or video suggestions for those uh, like you recognize and follow? So there's this concept. This this it's called the Real Truth About Health. Um, dot com. They have a conference that just finished on the 15th of May, 15th to the 17th of May. And it is the free recordings are already live. They're already available on computer, on, on internet. So uh, if you're interested to know deep truths about health, definitely go on to, go on to the, um, onto their page and they have some great, great speakers. And Brian Clement, Anna Maria Clement, to T. Colin Campbell and um, Dr. Esselstein, Dr. Joel Furman about reversing heart disease and how food can influence your life. And they all have books as well. So there's some great books to read there too. Okay, where can people find you? People can find me on Instagram is the main social media platform that I'm on. Um, Donna Moore, so Donna underscore Moore, but my Donna is D-A-N-A-H underscore M-O-R, my website too, so donnamore.com. And um, yeah, I'm on my website. You can sign up to the newsletter, sign up to become a more lifer, do that. Um, and yeah, that's basically it. So basically on Instagram and on, on my website. Thank you so much. This was really beautiful and amazing and uh, very inspiring and very informative, which was which is the point of these talks to be really informative and applicable to people's everyday life. And uh, for sure this was, and you are amazing. So really thank you. And remind us one more time, the name of your book. Um, book is called Shine Brighter Every Day. It just came out on Tuesday last week and comes out in the States on the 26th of May. You can order it on Amazon or you can go to my website and you can just or on Instagram and click on the link in the bio or on the homepage on the website to get it. It's super fun. It's a super interactive, very visual book. So 
If you're a creative person, you're going to love it because it's super visual and very easy to read and full of very exciting drawings and charts and tables and very practical. Every single chapter has a practical section, so it's very, very practical. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Donna. Thank you for listening to another episode of My Guru. Be sure to follow us on Insta at MyGuru, spelled My6Guru, or at my personal Insta, Anna Dream.